my name is Nate Westerfield. I'm the lead creative arts pastor here on staff. And today I get the pleasure of sharing with you, continuing on in the Colossians series here. Uh, and I tell you what, it's been a challenging series, hasn't it? It's been a really challenging series. The first two chapters, uh, as Pastor Jake and has, has preached on this, is really about, uh, has been really a bit about Christ supremacy, right? Kind of all this um, doctrine and theology in the first two chapters. But last week, last week, it started to get real, didn't it? It started to get really real. Like, okay, now I, now I got to start looking at myself. I have to start looking at how I'm thinking, what I'm doing, how I'm living this Christian life, right? It got real. And uh, I tell you what, it's just been a little challenging for me. And um, I just want to encourage you today, as we go through, as we continue, we're going to look into chapter 3 a little deeper, starting in verse 18, and we're going to talk about relationships. Relationships. Just think about that word, Relationships. Okay, relationships are hard, aren't they? They're really hard. I mean, every day as a husband or a wife, father, mother, son, daughter, they're hard, right? Relationships take a lot of work. But don't get me wrong, some days are fantastic. The first weeks, months of meeting, the special someone are magical, right? Remember that time you met your spouse or that significant other? You're like, oh, man, she's the one, right? It's magical. Your wedding day, the birth of your new son or daughter, life-changing, their first words, First steps, achievements, graduation, those little moments of sweetness and joy, they are all worth it. And they make every relationship seem, right, what, easy in those times. We have these relational mountaintops and valleys, but oftentimes it feels like we spend more time in the valleys than we do the mountaintops. Relationships seem more like work, don't they? A lot of times they do. So I started thinking about my own life, and I started thinking about Kaylee and I, how we met. So I was working at a church in Washington. Go Washington, right? <laughs> and uh, I was working there. I'd been there for about two years. And then I remember Kaylee showing up at church one day. And I remember talking to the children's pastor at the time, or the youth pastor at the time. And uh, we were in the office behind a glass door. And the door was cl- closed. And I saw Kaylee. And I was like, hey, that's the type of girl I want to marry. And I was just purely physical at that moment. So, but... <laughs> Because she's pretty, and she's still pretty. She's gorgeous. She's my wife. So, but, but, um, but at that moment, I was like, man, she's the right build. She's short. She's shorter than me. I mean, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and, and, and what I remember about that time is when I first met her, she, she was in Chicago at the time. She was working for Accenture. She was living up Chicago. And I was like, oh, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. But you know what? God made it work. But I remember in that first time, that first season of us starting a date, I would do whatever it took to get to Chicago. We had Sunday night services. So we do Sunday morning services, and then I'd go to Sunday night service, and right after service was over, boom, in my car, and I'm driving up to Chicago, right? 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. I'd get up there about 11.30, 12 o'clock, midnight, and I'd see her for an hour. She had her apartment, but my cousin, God made this all work out perfectly. He was going to Loyola, and so I was able to see her for about an hour and then go to his house and still be the good Christian that I needed to be, <laughs> right? God worked it out. He worked it out so I could do that and I could be that. Then I'd get up like at 5 o'clock in the morning and I'd take her to the airport and we'd be like, oh, I'm going to miss you, I'm going to miss you, you know. And then she'd get on a plane and she'd go to New Jersey. She's working in New Jersey back and forth for like 10 months. And so then all through the week, we'd be up till wee hours in the morning talking on the phone, right? Do you guys identify with this? Isn't, isn't, isn't there these moments that we just go, we go nuts, right? We go crazy for that person in our, in our life. We go completely crazy for them. But something happens. 
after the wedding, the honeymoon, the relationship began to experience those relational mountaintops and valleys. Our desires for the other began to turn inward towards ourselves, to our needs, our our desires, how we feel we should be treated, what we deserve, how much we've given, etc. Our focus is less about we and more about me. Then we add kids to the picture, right? So if one relationship isn't hard enough, we're like, hey, let's have some little people. (laughs) And let's add them to the mix. And we're thinking that it's just going to be easy, right? So I have have three sons. My three sons. I get to do what my mom and dad did, right? Blessed with three boys. Sorry. Three beautiful boys. And uh, the first one is Parker. I have a picture of Parker up there. That's just... (laughs) That's just a cool shot, you know. <laughs> he, wanted to ha- oh, he wanted to start a YouTube channel. So he's like, Dad, I, I need a picture for my YouTube channel. So I'm like, okay, give me a, give me a pose. And that was his pose. Um, <laughs> but when we had Parker, um, man, it's just, it's just, again, it's magical, right? You're going through all these experiences as a couple together. It's the first baby. Like every, every whim that Kaylee would like, oh, it hurts. I'm like, do we need to go to the hospital, right? We... We, we're just always intense. We're always just waiting for that little one. And, and, and then here he is. And Kaylee struggled through labor with him a lot. And she reminds him of that every day. And, um, but, but he was worth it, right? And we, we start to do life with a, with a new child in our life, a new baby. And, and then we start to get a hang of it. And Parker, you know, went, went too bad in the beginning. And, and as he went along, he got easier and easier. And today he's pretty calm. He's laid back. He... He listens pretty well, as long as he's not watching TV, then he's completely zoned out. And, and, but, but he doesn't fight with us a lot. He doesn't, he doesn't give us much push, pushback. He's, he's the first child, right? He wants to please. He does what's right. Then we had Camden. And Camden, here's Camden. He caught a fish at, at Mama and Papa's house. And uh, we had to take a picture of that. They had like 10 pictures. He, he's my selfie king. Like the kid gets an iPad and he's like, and he was always popping pictures of himself. And, you know, Camden was an easier birth for Kaylee. But, man, that kid not, would not sleep for nothing. For nothing. He wouldn't sleep at all. And so we, f- we thought we had it figured out with Parker, right? We finally got this. And let's add another one to the mix. And then, and then Camden starts to not sleep. And, and we're like, oh, what are we doing? Why do we do this so quick together? And, and it's just like, hey, and, and, and constantly Camden and I... Kim and I particularly, we like to go round and round, round and round. And, and I'm like, I don't understand you, child. But he has such a sweet heart, a sweet spirit. He's quick-witted. And man, he's driven. And he's going to succeed so well in a lot of things. But it's amazing how two, they, how two little boys can be so different, right? And then we had the third one, Mr. Hudson. And here's Mr. Hudson. So I, w- I was a little resistant to add number three. So he took a little longer to show up on the scene. And, um, but, but he turned out perfect because he looks just like me. <laughs> so everybody says, hey, he's your mini-me right there. So, but, but he's a joy. I mean, he, he's strong-willed. 
he'll he'll make sure that he, he that you you can't do what you want to do. He's like, no, you don't do that, Dad, or 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 whatever. He he's a kind of a little dictator, right, in our home. And he'll tell his brothers what not to do and tell us what not to do. But but again, he just loves us. He always tells you just out of the out of the, just the randomness in the moment, he'll just be like, Daddy, I love you. Mommy, I love you. Grandpa, I love you. He just does those little things and just a sweet nature. But they're all so different. So, so different. And, and again, it gets, it gets hard, right? Now, it's hard between just two, a husband and a wife. Now you add one, two, three, maybe four, maybe six, maybe 12, right? All these different relationships, it gets hard to make those relationships work together. Then there's leadership that God puts us under or maybe puts us over individuals, right? I think about here at church, you know, for 11 years, I worked under Pastor Bill as a senior pastor, and we, we definitely had some moments where we had some high highs and we had some low lows together, right? And, but, but through that time, we worked them out together as a team. It, all of us on staff have had those moments where we've had to work together to figure things out, to be honest and have those conversations so that we can grow closer together and that we can work together. But then God just says, hey, you know what? Bill's done, and he brings in this new guy. It's younger than me. He's got this beard. He speaks Chinese. I mean, I'm not going, who is this guy, right? But, but I've come to love and know Pastor Jake, and I, I know our friendship's going to be deeper and deeper each and every day. But it takes work. We don't always agree. We don't always see things the same way. But you know what? Relationships are hard, but they're worth it. But it's not just relationships today. Back, way, way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve, God made all the creatures of the earth, but not one was suitable for Adam. So God puts Adam to sleep, takes out one of his ribs, and makes the woman Eve. And when Adam woke up, he looked at Eve and says, oh, yeah, this is good. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Here's actually what he said in verse 23 of chapter 2. Here's what he actually said. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam finally had someone to be in a relationship with, someone made in his image of which he can share life with. We see here in the garden the picture of a relational harmony between man, woman, and God. See, God made us to be in relationship with each other and mostly with him. But why are relationships so hard? It's because of the fall. Adam and Eve had it made, right? They had it made. They got to spend time in the garden with God as he walked through it. They had everything provided for him. They had no needs at all. But we see here in chapter 3 of Genesis that they decide to eat the fruit, and we begin to, we begin to see the struggle. And here's what transpires there in that, in that verse. In chapter 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman, no longer is it Eve, or like, thank you, Lord, for this. No, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and ate. Neither one of them took the blame themselves. They cast the blame on. Sin. Here begins the process of me over we. 
Adam turns the blame to Eve and Eve the blame to the serpent. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament and throughout history, sin continues to separate us from God and each other. But here's the good part. We don't have to let sin separate us any longer. We can move forward together as Christians. And Paul, beginning in chapter 3, verse 18, gives us some practical relational steps to implement our journey in Christ and how we're able to relate to one another. So what I want to do first is I want us to go ahead and open up our Bibles, if you have them, or open up your phone apps, uh, the Bible app there. And let's uh, begin here in uh, Colossians 3, beginning with verse 18. And I just want to read this first together, and then I'm going to break them down and go through them uh, individually here. Wives, in verse 18, let's begin to read this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, one thing I want you to note is that before we start to go into these a little bit more, I want you to notice that these are not if-then statements, okay? They are not to be taken as if this person does this, then I will do this. No, these are instructions. I, I put in quotes, these are rules for us to follow. These are, these are, not, these are guidelines for us as husbands and wives as children and fathers, as employees and employers or volunteers and leaders, whatever capacity. And these are things that we do together regardless, not if they do that or when they do that. No, we do it regardless because this is what God has asked us to do. So first, let's begin with the first one. Wives, submit to your husbands. Drop the mic. Worship team, you can come up. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Nah. Very much just kidding. But some of us like to think that, right? We like to take the Bible and we like to fit it to how we want to see it and how we want to read it. Wives, submit your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So when you look back in the ancient times and you, you understand the history of the family, um, the father in a lot of uh, cultures was an unquestioned dictator. Pretty much the wives, the children, the slaves, and everything else was property. Okay, so here, Paul is really turning this kind of upside down. He's turning it upside down in the culture. He says, no, 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 no. Now the wives and the husbands get to lead together. The, head, the husband is still the head of the house. He is still the leadership that God has put in place, but the wives and the husbands, they need to work together. They need to make decisions together. They need to lead together. And this is very contrary to the culture. What I love um, is there's a couple out there, um, Emerson Egrich and his wife, and, and he has this quote that, that I wanted to include, and I love what he says. He says, we believe love best motivates a woman and respect most powerfully motivates a man. Research reveals that during marital conflict, a husband most often reacts unlovingly when feeling disrespected, and a wife reacts disrespectfully when feeling unloved. It's a circle, Right? As I give respect, as a, the woman gives respect, the husband gives love. And it just continues to repeat itself and repeat itself and repeat itself. Just like the wedding ring. 
we put the wedding ring on our fingers, right, as a symbol. I can't get this off. My knuckle's a little big. It came off earlier. <laughs> but it's just a symbol, right, of our love. Some of us, some preachers get up there and they go like, this represents an unending circle of love. It's the same with that love and that respect, right? That submission and that love back and forth to each other. And as long as we continue to keep that in place, we see that continue to be repeated over and over again. And the relationship remains healthy and strong. The love and respect come from letting our own selfish needs, desires, wants, and feelings of entitlement go. We focus less on me and more on we together. Then we get to children and fathers in verse 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You know, being a dad and being a mom, it, it's hard. It is hard to take these three individual personalities and, and, and guide them and lead them. And you know what? There's not, there's not like a one answer for all of them, is there? You know, Parker, he, he listens. He pretty much does what we say. Kim, and, and he's not super emotional. He's, he's got a sweet spirit in him, but he's not super emotional. He's pretty even keeled. McCammon is more emotional. So sometimes I feel like I need to get my guitar out and go sit in the bed with him and go, Cam, let's sing a song together. And let's feel this out together, right? Let's, well, how can we work through this together? Because I, I need to feel you. You need to feel me, right? Because that, that's where he lives. That's where he lives. He's very emotional in that way. And Hudson, he's still three. He's still lear- we're still learning him, and, and he's growing. And, and you know what? I know we'll continue to learn them as they get into their teen years and as they become adults. And as you think about that, go like, man, where does time go? But what a pleasure and what an honor it is to be able to raise these, these little guys and hopefully to get to see them become amazing men of God and to be husbands and to be fathers themselves. But what does it say about children and fathers? Children must obey their parents. We have this awesome responsibility to, to be this authority in their lives, to love them and encourage them because how we raise them to be is how they're gonna be in the world. I love what Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And, and, that, and that's what it is because that's God's word. It's just right for us to, to teach them to obey. Secondly, because God's word requires it. If we're Christians, we said yes to Jesus, we can't deny his word. In Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, it says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land or you may have a long life. It's the first first instruction that we're given that has a promise to it, that if I obey my parents, I'm gonna live a long life. And thirdly, because it's our job as parents to lead them to a relationship with Jesus, and that's the most important. We get to be the example. We get to be the individuals most important in their life to show them what it means to love God, what it means to follow God, what it means to lead others to God. That's our responsibility. That is our job. And then there's discipline. When it comes to discipline, it varies in homes. Oftentimes, the mother bears more of the consistent burden of the discipline, where fathers may be involved in the heavier, heavier disciplinary areas. No matter who is doing the discipline, it must be handled in an appropriate way that conveys correction, encouragement, and instruction. I remember when I was a kid, my mom babysat, 
uh, about six or eight other kids in our home. So we, we were never without other kids in the home. And a lot of times we got to help. And, you know, it's neat nowadays going out in Washington. I get to see some of these kids. I'm like, man, you've grown up. I remember you were like a little squirt, you know. But, but we, we get to see these kids, and we had, a, we had an impact in their lives. But I always remember that as a boy that there were certain things mom would punish us on. You know, if we did something wrong, it was within her power she would punish us, you know, we couldn't go with the friends, or we couldn't ride our bikes, or, or whatever it was. But there's just those few things we do, right? Just those few things we do that would, she would say, go to your room, and when your father comes home, you're going to pay the price. Man, that put the fear of God in me. I remember, I remember dad coming home a couple times, and we're just running up the car. Dad, do you need the lawn mowed? Dad, do, do you, what do you need me to do, dad? And he's like, what would you do? What'd you do? But what I loved about my dad is what, what he would do is he would correct us, right? There would be times that we did something where we, we deserved a spanking or, uh, or, or something, and, and, and he, would, he would carry out the punishment, and we'd grudgingly go back to the bedroom. My brother Josh was really smart. He padded his rear end with tons of toilet paper. <laughs> he didn't teach me that trick at all. Uh, but he was more nature, like, go ahead, give it to me, come on. You know, he was more that way. And I was like, I didn't do it, Dad, I didn't do it. And so, you know, I, that was me. And Josh was more driven, and he was more that way. Um, but my dad would carry out the discipline. But I always remember, like, 30 minutes later, maybe an hour later, he'd always come back into our room. He would sit down in the bed with us, and he'd give us a big hug, and he says, you know I love you. I love you with everything I am. He says, and if I don't do this, he says, I don't want somebody else to have to do this for me as you get older. He goes, I love you, and here's why I did that. Here's why this is important that you don't do that again. And he always followed it up with love and encouragement. And there are a lot of times also where they took advantage of an opportunity to say, hey, don't do that, but do this. As, as, as parents, we have to provide a discipline. Because if we don't, somebody else will, right? Somebody else will. But in 21, verse 21 there, he, he really specifically points out fathers, doesn't he? I also know that as a father myself that we carry a lot of weight with our words. And Camden's over there, and I love him so much. <laughs> and sometimes we do go around, don't we, buddy? But man, we love each other to, to the end. We have to be careful as fathers what we say because our words carry so much life and they carry so much death with them as well. If we don't treat our sons the right way. So Paul points this out because the statistics about how much a father's influence is in a kid's life is just, is just startling. Of how much what we say as dads matters to our kids. So let's speak life. Let's speak correction with encouragement. And let's lead them to be the Jesus followers that, that they need to be. I love this quote from Martin Luther. And it's a little bit of a fact and a quote. It, it is one of the tragic facts of religious history that Martin Luther's father was so stern to him that all his life, Luther found it difficult to pray our father. The word father in his mind representing nothing but severity. The duty of the, parent, of the parent is discipline, but it is also encouragement. Luther himself said, spare the rod and spoil the child, 
It is true, but beside the rod, keep an apple to give him when he does well. We need to be sure that our discipline corrects and encourages our sons and daughters to do and be better, not crush them with our words and actions. Goes on for us as leaders and followers in verses uh, 22 and then in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, master. Fearing the Lord, masters treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. As a volunteer or an employee, we have this right as Christians. If we said yes to Jesus, we have this, we, we have this not right, but responsibility to do and be better, to, to give everything that we have to our jobs, to the volunteer positions we, we, we volunteer for, or whatever organization we're in, to be better, to not do it also for the, the pleasing of man, but to do it for the Lord and do it for him and him alone. And it's easy. We, we want that promotion. You know, we want that position. Whatever it is, we want to work for those things. A lot of times we work for the people who we think are going to help us get that. We do it more for our gain than we do it for the Lord or for our families, right? So we have to be careful with that. It's like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They were fantastic on putting on a show. Man, they got out there and they raised their arms and they would pray and they'd say, hey, look at this. I'm putting all my money in the offering. Look at what I'm doing. I'm good. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. But Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 2, 8, he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We have to be careful who we're working for, who we're volunteering for. Because oftentimes we do it more for ourselves than we do for the people that employed us or the people that we volunteer for, or most importantly, for God and God alone. And leaders, we have the responsibility to lead well, to not take advantage of people, to ensure that we rule justly and fairly, to make sure that as employers or pastors or leaders at school or in organizations that we lead well, that we we take time to get to know these people. We don't just pass off tasks and duties. No, we spend time with them. And we get to be the example of Jesus in their lives. I love the scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. As leaders, employers, employees, teachers, volunteers, let's reciprocate what God has asked us to reciprocate, to do everything we can, to work with all our heart and to do it to the Lord and to lead people to the Lord and to do that well. But as I was, put, as I was coming together with this message, uh, Pastor Jake and the sermon team, uh, they helped out a lot and uh, that's always a great, it's a little nerve-wracking experience, you know, when you don't do it a lot. Like, you have to go and kind of, like, give your speech before you're, like, your teacher, you know. But, but, but it's very helpful. And I love this illustration we came up with. It's like, it's like the game tug-of-war, right? Relationships are like tug-of-war. Um, I was wondering, Pastor Jake and Aaron, you guys come up, mind coming up here? We'll see who wins. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you're going to win? Oh, she's getting ready. <laughs> this is going to go down. <laughs> I'm going to be in the middle just in case. <laughs> you're, 
No, Nobody just, told me about that. Okay. <laughs> I like your being prepared, though. That's good. You're ready. You're like, shoes off. I'm going to get as much grip as I can. There you go. <laughs> she said I live with that guy, so that's what that's, I had, had to let you know what's going on there. So, but, but this is the perfect example, right? This is the husband's and wife's example. But a lot of times relationships are like the game of tug of war, right? <laughs> Maybe I should ask some kids to come up here. <laughs> but I wanted us to see this, this illustration. This is a lot of times where relationships right. You know, a lot of times, like Pastor Jake may end up pulling Aaron to him, Right? Because he wants, he needs, whatever he desires, right? But, but in return, Aaron has needs and wants, and, and so she's pulling back. And so constantly there's this back and forth sometimes in our relationships, right? Back and forth, back and forth. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Aaron, for being prepared like that. Uh, but, but that's what it is, right? It's like I deserve. I want, I, I need, right? And, and, and it goes opposite. But sometimes we, we see it the other way. We get, we're trying to pull towards the other person, but they're pulling against us. It reminds me of a song by Toby Keith back in the 90s. It was kind of like a rap country song. It was really bad. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it reminds me of it. He, in the chorus, he, he, he goes on and, and says this. He says, I want to talk about me. want to talk about I. want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my. What I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually, but I want to talk about me. I want to talk about me. But isn't that the problem? Isn't that the problem? The more we focus on me, the more we pull apart from we. Our battle on the rope is all because of our expectations of the other because of what we feel is right for us, what I or you deserve. I did, the des- I did the dishes yesterday, so tug on the rope, right? I did it. I worked late, so he needs to give the kids a bath. Tug on the rope. I'm staying at my friend's house past curfew because I want to finish the movie, regardless of what rules mom and dad have put in place. Tug on the rope, what I want. My boss is gone today. Oh, yeah, so I'm going to go bail on work and go play golf, right? Tug on the rope. The problem is that in the game of tug of war, one person always ends up in a mess while the other one ends up alone. Isn't that true? In our relationships, we keep pulling and we keep pulling and we keep pulling to ourselves and eventually that person is either going to let go and stop playing or they're going to fall right in the pit and they're going to be a mess. And we're going to be left holding the rope all alone, isolated, wondering, what did I do? What did I do? So how can we pull this all together? Like I mentioned in the beginning, and like I've talked throughout, relationships are hard. It feels like there's this constant battle back and forth between the individuals involved. Our focus is oftentimes on what we need, deserve, or in a retaliation of how we were treated but it's wrong. We know it's wrong. As Christians, our focus needs to be on what Christ has done for us. Look at the next two verses, verse 23 and 24. For the Lord, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
You are serving the Lord Christ. We, myself included, have such a shallow view of our life most of the time. Rather than thinking that every relationship is in direct alignment with Jesus, we look at relationships on what benefit we can get from them. But here Paul lays it out clearly, especially in verse 24. You are serving the Lord Christ. It's not just about me and Kaylee or me and Parker and Camden and Hudson. No, it's about Christ and I. And as I serve Christ, I serve her. As I serve Christ, I serve my boys. As I serve Christ, I serve Pastor Jake and, and the other pastors on staff. It goes on and on. As I serve Christ, if I put Christ in each of their positions, how differently would I react? How differently would I behave? How much more would I give if every face I put Jesus' face on and his name on going, that's who I work for. That's who I do it for. That is why these relationships matter. That's why my life is to be lived out for him. In return, they get the benefit of that. We get the benefit if they live that out in their lives. So my question today for each of us is what direction are you pulling? Are you pulling everyone to you? Are you on the rope over here and you're just pulling and whatever relationship you have, you just keep pulling. It's all about you. Everything you do is all about you. Is that you? Have you found yourself either having to clean up a lot of relational messes or maybe worse, maybe you're feeling really alone. Maybe you've just pulled everybody out and nobody wants to pick up the rope anymore because they know what you've done to other people. If you're alone, Jesus is the answer for you. And I know that as you begin to work your life out and as you begin to focus more on other people, as you begin to focus on them because you see Jesus in them, I guarantee you that you'll begin to see relationships restored and healed. Maybe you're pulling yourself to everyone. Maybe you're on the rope and everybody's pulling you to them, but you're trying to do whatever it can to please them. And no matter what you do, that you just can't please them enough. But you just keep trying, and you keep trying, and you keep trying, and everybody just keeps pulling. But it seems like the more you pull towards them, the farther they keep moving back and back and back. You feel like you're always giving. You're always giving. You're always giving. All the time. And you always end up messy. And you just keep getting messy because you're like, well, if I do this and if I do that, I, the relationship will be better. It'll be good. I, I can make it work. I can, I can do this. We can make this work. But you just keep getting messier and messier. Is that you today? No matter what you've done, it just seems like you can't please anyone. But you know, as that verse says in verse 23 and 24, it's amazing if we keep Jesus in the center and if I'm pulling towards Jesus and Kaylee's pulling towards Jesus, doesn't that pull us together? Don't we get to meet in the middle and we get to be there with Jesus together? 
but it's maybe with your kids. Maybe you've pulled one way and they're pulling another way. How, how, can you, how can you come together? How can you begin to pull together towards Christ? You know, I, I don't have this all figured out. I am still a husband that makes big mistakes and says the wrong things. I'm still a father who's learning and learning my boys. And I'm still an employee. And I still have volunteers that I lead and volunteers that I help. It's going to be a constant a constant battle in some regards of how we let go of ourselves to be more like Jesus. But man, if we're all working together and we're all pulling towards Jesus, man, what kind of world would that be? What kind of church could we be if we all forgot our personal agendas and we all said, I'm gonna let that go because I'm gonna pull together towards Jesus. Our world would be changed. There's so many people on the TV, on the radio that say things need to happen and things need to change, but they're all in the benefit of somebody, right? They're not leading people to Jesus. So I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I may or may not know how to help you in your certain situation, but I know that Together, we can do that together. And if you're one of these individuals, whether you're pulling everyone to you or maybe you're pulling yourself to everyone and maybe there's a lot of mess and there's a lot of loneliness, we want to pray with you today. We'd love the opportunity of the prayer team. They'll be in the corners of the room. We want to pray with you. And we'll do the best we can to help you. And we know that sometimes in relationships, it's, it's, it's not just a one-day fix, right? It's not a, hey, let's get in the car after church and talk about it. I encourage you not to do that anyways if you're like kind of holding something in. And you're like, man, I'm going to let my husband have it because he keeps pulling everybody to me. Don't do, that when, don't do that when you leave the church. I want you to pray about it. <laughs> Maybe talk to somebody else about it and, and, and get a third party involved so you guys can work it out together. Sometimes I've seen parents and, and children's relationships be so, so distant and so far apart that, that it's hard to even see what an answer is. But I know that Jesus is. And I know that if we're both willing to come to the table, if we're both willing to start pulling towards Jesus together, that I know that he can make it right. So if we don't have the answer here at the church, we know that we'll be able to help you out and point somebody there. If there's a deeper issue or more of a relational issue that's gonna take more of a duration, more of time, but we wanna be there with you. We wanna partner with you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna encourage you. We want to help that relationship succeed because we know that Jesus can help you and he can see that. We can see that miracle in that, in that relationship in your own lives. I want us to remember that the more we focus on Jesus, the stronger we become. So if that's you, as the worship team comes up and as they get ready to play, uh, as the prayer, wor the prayer workers get into the corners, if you need uh, some prayer this morning, I encourage you to go to them. My prayer for you 
is that in each of our lives, we can look in our own lives and see, how am I doing at this relationship thing? I've been challenged all week long. And the couple, last couple weeks as I've studied, just how am I doing as a Christian, as a father, as a husband, as an employee, how am I doing? And I said in some areas I feel like I'm failing horribly and in others I'm doing okay. But I know that as I work towards Jesus that he's going to help me. He's going to help me be that husband I need to be and be that dad I need to be, be the son even that I need to be still to this day to my own mom and dad. Let's bow our heads this morning and God relationships you designed for us to have to be relationship with people that we can share life with. People that we get to make memories with. People that get to know us from the inside out. I pray today that if there be any people here that have maybe they just constantly been pulling people towards them all their lives and they just feel alone God that you would just let your spirit become so evident today in their life that Holy Spirit you would wrap your arms around them God and that you would begin to love on them and show them how that they can begin to let go of themselves as they work towards you, as they pull themselves to you. Or maybe there's some people here that they've just constantly felt like they've been given and given and pulling and pulling towards people that they're in relationship with and no matter what they do, it's not enough. God, help them to stop for a moment. God, to take a step back and to look and see that, hey, no, no, no. I need to be pulling towards Jesus. Because no matter what I do, I'm never going to be able to make man happy enough. I have to work my life to be all about Jesus. And as I follow Jesus, he's going to make right those relationships in my life. up there's some that are maybe in both worlds they are pulling and uh, towards themselves and they keep pulling they just keep going back and forth and nothing's working god i just pray that you help them just take a good look in their lives and see how can we together or how can i just work towards jesus how can i pull my life to him whatever conversations need to happen god let them happen underneath your grace and under, under prayer 
God and seeking out wisdom in those situations. God, I thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to come together. God, to have relationships, to connect with each other here at church. And Lord, I pray that as we leave, God, we get to see you. We get to begin to see you in each person that we meet. You and our spouses and our kids and our bosses and the volunteers we work with, with the other teachers at school, the other students at school, that no longer do we just see that person, God, but we see you in them, that we get to see how we can serve them, how we can lead them and become less about us, a lot less about me, God, and more about you, about we together as a church, as, as a father, as a mother, as a student, as a child, God, as a boss, that we get to be together in a relationship, spurring one another on to do good works in your name. Lord, I thank you for that. I give you praise for all that you've done, God, and all that you're going to do. Amen. Amen. And thanks for letting me share with you today. If you will, let's go and stand up together, and I just wanted to uh, say this prayer over you for this week, and my prayer for you this week is that as we look to how we have been pulling at the rope, that it reveals to us opportunities in our relationships to confess, forgive, and restore in order for us all to focus on pulling ourselves to Christ, serving Him with all that we are as we focus on we and leaving me behind. Just encourage you to be uh, this week during life groups to talk this over. If you're not in a life group, maybe, maybe relationships have kept you from joining a life group. Don't. Maybe this is a great time for you to say, God, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to open up my mind, and I, I'm, I'm going to connect with other people. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be a part of that. And, and you know what? I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I guarantee you're going to benefit from it, especially if everybody's pulling towards Jesus. And then the last thing is don't forget to tell people about Jesus. Let the world know what he's done for you. Open up his word and share that with them. And uh, let them know about Great Oaks as well, that we love to meet them and uh, to be in relationship with them as well. Amen? Amen. You guys have a great day. God bless.